This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It's the day after the federal budget. We welcome you to Real Talk on this, the uh, 30th of March. Ryan Jesperson here with John Hicks, and we've got a banging show for you coming up in about 20 minutes, maybe half an hour. We'll see how our conversation goes with our leadoff hitter today with Erica Ifill in just a second. Uh, but we're going to sit down with three restaurateurs who are joining us in studio, all of them honored, featured in Edify's new issue of Edmonton's Best Restaurants. We're going to hear three different stories uh, from three different individuals, three different backgrounds, but all of them, of course, have one thing in common, and that is that they are showing the courage that it takes to run a restaurant in a post-COVID reality. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that conversation. We'll look to our live chat. Of course, we'll look to our hashtag, uh, RealTalkRJ. That's powered by Park Power. For your comments and your questions, we know our engaged audience will have something to say, I'm sure, as, as we pick the brains of these three business people. That's essentially what a federal government does, a provincial government as well. Isn't it a finance minister when they put together and then release a budget? They, they, they essentially send a statement to the electorate on what they perceive the top priorities, the top challenges to be, the, the top investment needs. And that's what the federal government did yesterday uh, with a big budget, uh, a budget that looks ahead, that looks forward to a clean economy, that looks to address some shortfalls. But of course, not everybody happy. That's just the way that it goes with budgets. Erica, I feel is in an interesting position. She's an economist. She's also a journalist. She writes for the Hill Times. And of course, she's the co-host of the Bad and Bitchy podcast. She's been a great friend of this show, and we're grateful that she's making time for us this morning. It's nice to see your face. It feels like it's been a while. I haven't had a chance yet to congratulate you in person, so to speak, Zoom. I'll take it on being honored. The Canadian Journalist for Free Expression Gala. Uh, you received a pretty big honor just a, a short time ago. Um because of some of the BS that you've been putting up with lately. But can I say, as a colleague and as a friend, I'm proud of you. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. My um, my loud voice did something. <laughs> hey, keep ramping it up, my friend. I, I should mention you you were also honored by the Hill Times as uh, one of the top 100 Canadians, one of the top 100 most influential people in government and politics in 2023. So so this is good. You, you, you already knew internally that you had the credibility to speak, but it's always nice when it's recognized externally, isn't it? It is. It is very I. I'm actually humbled because when I came into um, journalism, I didn't go to J school. So I was already different. And basically, I started a podcast like you did, Ryan. Yeah. And um, basically found myself writing about stuff that we talked about on the podcast. And it's a, in in that time, about six years ago, five or six years ago, that was not th the acceptable sort of way of talking about things around race, gender, and class. And so, you know, as I, I feel like I may have been a little bit ahead, but the world caught up to me. Huh? Interesting way you to know? put it. Yeah. Well, well can I yeah. say that I think oftentimes the, the best commentators, 
Um, and, and you're not sort of just a journalist. You, you, you know, it, it takes a little bit more, I think, or at least a different skill set to, to put out an informed opinion, to take a position on things. Um, and you roll into it with the experience as an economist, which gives you a perspective that not a lot of people do, including, and I'm not, I, I don't know why I'm taking it in this direction. I'm not looking to throw shade at journalists that were covering the federal budget yesterday. I'm just saying when you look at a big document like that, you know, what is it, 255 pages or something, mm-hmm. you're, you're looking looking at it through a different lens you're looking at it through the lens of an economist what are i mean i've got my own talking points i've got my own questions for you but what's the story of this budget as you see it um we're heading into choppy waters Mm. i think i think there was a there was this i mean if you look at the the fiscal the economic part of the budget the fiscal and economic parts you could tell that they've They've revised down GDP growth, for one. They've um, revised up the the deficit uh, from November, from the fall economic statement. And uh, yeah, we're still trying to, we still haven't felt the effects of the um aggressive monetary stance this that the bank of canada has taken i think i think the words they used was shallow recession (laughs) and i was like oh great so there's gonna be it's not as i said at the beginning of 2023 on one of my tiktoks it was my my it's just going to get worse. That's, that's, I'm sorry. For people that are watching this on YouTube, you're saying it's just going to get worse and you have a beaming smile on your face and I don't know how to take it. You know why? Because we've been through this, what we've been through in the past, say, three years, this pandemic has upended a lot of things and we're trying to see where things actually settle because things haven't settled yet. The labor market hasn't sorted itself out yet, for example. Um, and so we're still kind of feeling those effects, even though, uh, a lot of people just want to move on and forget that it didn't happen, but there are real sort of economic realities that the pandemic has left that, um, we are going to have to deal with, to be honest. The, uh, as you're saying, the, the projections for economic growth aren't as, uh, as as rosy as they may have been. Maybe they're a little bit more realistic, uh, but they've worsened even since the government's fall fiscal update, like you're saying. And and Ottawa has essentially walked away from a fall projection to balance the books within five years. That's not going to happen. Nope. Um, it's not going to happen. And so and this, it's, not, go ahead. it's partially I don't want people to think because I looked at here's the thing. People assume that it's spending that increases debt and deficits. It's not always that. So for example, if you look at the program spending to, I believe it's program spending to debt ratio, ah, program expenses, for example, um, as a percentage of GDP, you can start to see, I think, in in this year in 2021-22 it's 18.7% and then it just drops to 15.7% which is around the Stephen Harper era um number of program expenses to gdp ratio 
So it's it's the reason the the debt is going up and we we're projecting deficits. A lot of it has to do with inflation. And so the cost of servicing that debt has gone up. Uh, the leader of the uh, yeah, the leader of the official opposition, Pierre Polyev, and and I want to play a clip for you. We'll get we'll get your analysis on this on whether or not he's being fair, uh, or or whether it's just political posturing, or maybe a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Uh, but but this uh, this fiscal year that begins April first, uh, a couple of days from now, now projected to show about a forty billion dollar deficit as, as compared to thirty billion uh, that was contained in the fall update. And here's how. The leader of the official opposition spun it yesterday. He was telling us only a few days ago that deficit spending would spark even more inflation, higher grocery bills, more expensive housing, and other costs for families. And today she rolls out a bonanza of $43 billion of new inflation, debt, and taxes that will be on the backs of everyday hard-working Canadians. All that they have delivered is more debt, more inflation, and more costs on the on the backs of the hard-working and beleaguered people of this country. And that is why Conservatives are proud to announce we will be voting against yeah. this inflationary debt. Yeah. The gross cost of all the new spending announcements in this budget works out to $4,300 for every single family in Canada. That's almost enough to house the Prime Minister in the hotel room for one night. <laughs> That's how expensive this government has become. Okay, so there you go. A shot at the $6,000 London hotel room for the Queen's funeral, which I, I got to be honest, I thought that was well played. You don't I, have to... You don't I, have it to. was well played, but can I just say, why are we so cheap in this country? Are we... Is he supposed to... I, I have you been to London? He's supposed to stay at the Do Howard you know Johnson. How like much the, <laughs> that that hotel room costs? Yeah. The hotel room is probably a box, and it costs six thousand dollars a night. Yeah, I'm just saying. I know this is we 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 get all caught up in these types of things. Um, we do. Here, here's what happens ridiculous. when you and I talk: is our conversations swerve all over the road, but we I always know, we I always know. end up I'm at gonna... our destination. But it's like Bev Oda's sixteen dollar orange juice. It's like this. It's the six thousand dollar hotel room. People can Google uh, Stephen Harper's trip to Yankee Stadium, and then and they'll realize how much that you know that costs taxpayers more than thirty grand. They all do it, and and Stephen Harper's the prime minister. Uh, Justin Trudeau's the prime minister. Like they're, they're not going to stay. In this, in, in the super expecting? eight. So anyway, I, I digress. Yeah, but I, but I'm, I thought I'm, I'm there with you. But I, but I, I thought Wait, that if, listen, if it's next time I come to Ottawa, I mean Ottawa, Edmonton, we're having a beer. Oh, yeah, we're gonna have a beer in studio. You're gonna you're gonna join me. We're gonna turn the microphones yeah, yeah, on. Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna totally. have six beers because I might be there sooner than you. Think. Okay, great, <laughs> great. You mean permanently, or you mean as a visitor? No, 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 not permanently. Okay, yeah. People that 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 maybe are, are catching you for the first time here may not know that you do have Alberta roots, and so you also bring I that, do. that great perspective I grew up to in the Edmonton. show. Yeah. So yeah. so I think uh, here's the deal. It's it's Pierre Polyev's job to do exactly what he just did on this it show is. and others, which is to get the clip, to get the zinger. But but let's get into the, the meat, of the, you know, essentially of what he's talking about. Does he have a leg to stand on the argument? Um, A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah. So, again, I go back to program spending to GDP ratio. That's where you will get the impact of spending 
as a proportion of GDP, right? It's this year, so 21-22, like I said, it was 18.7%, but it's going to drop three percentage points um, according to the budget. And that's been pretty consistent as I, you know, from the fall economic update, even with the war in Ukraine. And but here's my problem with the way we talk about budgets and spending. We talk about price. We don't talk about value. What are we getting for the spending? For example, are we are we getting programs? Are we getting support? Are we getting policies that improve the quality of life in this country? That is the question that we should be asking instead of, you know, how much was spent here or how much was spent there. You know what? Things get expensive. Okay. And I, I got to, you know, it's to be honest with you, and I appreciate you're bringing these, you know, you're like 18.7% here, 15.1%. That's fine. And, but like, honestly, the truth, the real talk is that my eyes glaze over when we start talking okay. like that. I lose interest when we start to, no, but it's important. And it's good that yeah. you're pointing it out. And you're saying inflation's a factor. And here's what's contributing to, but, but what I'm most interested in as, as not an economist is mm-hmm. the message that the government's sending and the tone that the budget sets and whether or not it resonates with or reflects what the people are are looking for. You know what I'm saying? And and so I think well, in this nobody's, one nobody's happy with this budget. So take take that as it will. I don't think I don't from what I the chatter that I've been seeing, there are a lot of people who aren't happy. For example, people with disabilities had been expecting a lot more. And what do they get? They get a savings plan mm. or they get an update to their savings plan, which is silly policy in my opinion, because who on disabilities, and I know that, you know, who on disabilities has money left over for savings? Savings plans usually benefit um, the upper class and higher. So, and these are not the the demographic of people with disabilities. So to me, that's a throwaway kind of policy. It's silly. Uh, one right. of the things that I thought was interesting, and, and I, I don't know a ton on this, I want to follow up on it in a future episode. But but it's it's that the income taxes or taxes or you know essentially like the paperwork is going to be auto filed on behalf of a lot of or lower income Canadians, which advocates anti poverty advocates are saying yep. is going to be a big step forward. Uh, I yep. want to credit uh, Dakota Kachi for this one, a, a public affairs pro, longtime uh, political staffer as well, pointing out yesterday that at first glance, anyway, the budget appears to to spend about fifty five percent less uh, on. And on indigenous communities over the next five years that the previous uh, budget did, which I think is significant. Um, I, I don't know if yeah. you know. I don't know if everything sends a message, uh, but well, a lot of times the, it does. The message seems to be, and this is this is what's troubling me a little bit. A lot of communities that receive support have been left out of this budget or have only been given crumbs. So we're talking about indigenous people. We're ta- we just talked about people with disabilities, LGBTQ2IA people, same thing, because I haven't seen much in the budget for them either. All of these marginalized communities seem to have fallen by the wayside in, a, in an attempt to 
um, deal with inflation and those inflationary pressures and the ugliness that brings. And the fact that they are predicting a quarter, quote unquote shallow recession tells me that A, it may be worse than we think, and B, that as soon as there's a recession or as soon as the the pant tightening begins, the marginalized communities fall by the wayside. That's what I'm getting from this budget. Tracy's watching us uh, live on YouTube right now, says uh, reviewed the 270 pages. Uh, lots of support for business and industry and people, but it will be costly. Uh, Tracy says, I'm not worried because there are still over a million job vacancies. Alyssa says it's actually a good budget. The issue is that the majority of Canadians will never read it uh, and they'll only listen to the gotcha clips on social media. 100% true. Um, you know, interesting points here. I mean, I, I love this one from Jillian, who's just going back to the the clips we play and the politicking around this. And she says politics has barely evolved past the popularity contest of electing the class president. You first experience your first experience of politics is seeing the popular kid win when he can't do anything right. <laughs> so there's some some healthy there's, cynicism there. There's a lot about I know they're pushing the green economy, too. I don't know how that's going to play in Alberta, but. Um, and I think that's just a direct result of the U.S. and their infrastructure. Um, Can we both agree that it would be stupid to ignore that? Pardon? Can we both agree it would be stupid to ignore that? It would be stupid to not. Yeah, it would be stupid. It's just late. (laughs) Well, sure. You know, we talked. I I mean, and what does that say? Are you saying that we cannot do we cannot move on something as big and ambitious as that unless the U.S. does it first? Mm. I mean, I, I, I actually applaud the ambition in that, in that part of the, in that part of the budget, because budgets aren't known to be ambitious. Um, But what, again, it, again, it is part and parcel. If you read the, the budget, it is, um, it is totally connected to the U S and their policy. And I find that we really need to rethink where we're going and how we're doing it in this country. Uh, economically speaking, we really need to think about who's being left out. And the more people who are being left out is um, the more disaffected people you will have. Hmm. And that's what I'm trying to, that's the kind of perspective I've bring. Yes, there's a lot for jobs and industry and so on and so forth. But here's my, here's a little tidbit that I've noticed over, say, the last decade about, about public funding. Is that a lot of it is done through funds. And what that means is that there is a fund, there's eligibility criteria for this fund. And so I can say I'm giving, say, let's $10 million to um, to women in business, let's say, <laughs> which was an actual fund, <laughs> is an actual fund. Um, the experience of funds is that the take up is low. And it very much depends on how the fund is constructed in terms of who can access it. So the people who actually access or find themselves accessing and being able to get money from the funds are not necessarily the people that you that need the help. And so um, 
the other part of that, so you have low take up, which means um, low effectiveness. Let me ask you for a second. Are you saying, like, do you think that that's intentional? Do you yes. think it's a subtle and hurdle you, that's placed I, in the way I to keep it's intentional and I'll tell you why. So this is going to be a little bit of inside baseball. Sure. So bear with me. So ask me whatever question if you're like, I, I'm not following you because this is very important. In the budget, I found something quite interesting about lapsed funds. So lapsed funds is money allocated in the budget, right, that hasn't been spent in the fiscal year in which it was um, allocated, right? So let's say we don't, let's say we get, say, $5 million of take up, right? So we give $5 million away in this fund. The re that the remaining $5 million is, a, is what they call a lapse. And what it does is it goes at the end of the fiscal year, it goes to paying down the debt. So what happens with lapse funds is that the projected deficit or sorry, the projected debt may not actually be the actual debt. It may can't come in as um, as lower than expected because you haven't counted your lapse funds. Yet. Yeah, for sure. But again, this is not what the average person pays attention to. This is what That's why, you have me this is here. why I have you but here point, to put it on our point, radar. But the average yeah. person today is like, did I get dental care or not? Are, are my taxes going I am up happy about dental, or down? Way. Well, Jagmeet Singh got that, right? I mean, I'm yeah, you know, referencing here reporting in. by the Globe and Mail. That's but an NDPism right there. Yeah, and they, and they have all right to... to to um to claim credit for it because we know the liberals wouldn't have done that without them yeah i mean it's yeah it's and and i mean i don't know who just yeah sure it would give ndp credit on that i mean it's a liberal survival tactic right yeah i mean the government falls without the ndp's support on this the budget falls so yeah uh, i mean it was an interesting one you've got the, the home savings account that comes into effect with the you know a, a, a tax-free home savings account okay uh, see that's another that's another policy that benefits the upper the mid, the upper middle and upper classes. Right, because you're saying lower income Canadians can't capitalize or maximize the I'm eight thousand. I'm sorry, are we not in the middle of an affordability crisis? What yeah. are you giving people savings funds for? But if you didn't roll out something, if you didn't put something out there, then people would call it obtuse, right? They would call the they would call the budget ignorant. They they would they would say, and and, and you have to ask to what degree can the federal government do something? I mean. This is an oh, this is a whole different conversation about the role that we want governments to play interfering with markets like the housing market. And there is an affordability crisis, but not everybody wants the government starting to meddle with the housing market, right? That assumes a lot. That assumes that without the government, that there isn't a market failure there already. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we like to talk about a lot of people love to talk about free markets without actually talking about the conditions in which a free market must have to exist. Mm. So, for example, monopolies, duopolies, oligopolies, uh, all those aren't that's not a free market. Right. And so once you have to once you start talking about zoning, that is not a free market.
you can't build anywhere you want to is the point. So I think that um, what we have to understand is what a free market actually is. Is there anything uh, before I thank you for your time? Is there one thing about this budget? I mean, there's there's a lot. Do you want me? Do you want to give me? Do you want me to give you a shout out to Alberta? Oh sure. I will do my shout out to Alberta. And honestly, when so you know Kristen, you know Kristen Rayworth, your co-host on on Bad and Bitchy, Bad and Bitchy podcast, my podcast now. So she gives the total Alberta experience, (laughs) and she is as smart as a whip right? Mm -hmm. Just on it. Love her. And so she often reminds me, reminds me that Alberta is, um, is, is a leadership province. It's a province that leads a lot. So let me tell you what Alberta led. Here's what I saw in the federal budget, creating a new leave for pregnancy loss. So remember the whole Alberta uh, abortion um, Supreme Court decision last year? Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a response to that. Mm. So Budget 2023 proposes to make amendments to the Canada Labour Code to create a new standalone leave for workers in federal regulated se- sectors who experience a pregnancy loss. Now, who did it first? You did mm. last year. Alberta. Mm-hmm. And so um, remember when Sarah Biggs was on y- your pod and yeah. we made friends? Yeah. Well, Sarah, I had her on. We should, for context, and- I'll let people know she was, she was Leela Ahir's campaign manager uh, in the UCP leadership race. And, and, and she's a political strategist uh, based out of Calgary. This is how I make friends on your show. Yeah. So I had her on the Bad and Bitchy podcast because she was instrumental in helping Bill 17 in Alberta, which would amend the Employment Standards Code to expand access to bereavement leaves to employees who experience um, a pregnancy loss. So I would like to say that Bill 17 led that federal government um policy change very cool i love so that congratulations you- alberta trace and that back to the source yeah That's and it's awesome. quite pro- it's quite a progressive one no and and so- it- and, and when to anybody who's like experienced Alberta's that that's rednecks a big deal and stuff i'm like you don't get alberta ah, people so, know that alberta's not just rednecks we're not rednecks well, I mean, I guess it depends who you well, compare us to, right, let's, Johnny? It let's depends slow who down. you compare us to. <laughs> we're keeping this one on the record. There. I know what it's like. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're keeping this little clip on the record, Erica, where you gave us the, the big ups. That we're not just rednecks. This is going to, we're, we're working on a new she Real Talk. It. A new Real Talk trailer. That might be the lead clip. We're not just in the that, trailer. Yeah, that's going to be the trailer. We're not just rednecks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's good to see your face again. And we took you into overtime, but I, I think it's just because when you and I hang out, the vibe is just just kind of feels like we're having we coffees flow. or beers, which we is flow. what we look for. So thank you for this. People should read your work in the Hill Times. They should subscribe to your Bad and Bitchy podcast. Uh, they should check out the work that you're doing with Not in My Color, and they can do it all by following you on uh, Twitter or Instagram. And we link to the from our tweet from Real Talk RJ uh, just about an hour ago. It's nice to see your face again, Erica. Thanks for bringing it today. 
Thank you. Bye. Yeah, you got it. We'll talk to you again soon. That's Erica Eiffel, uh, a good friend of the show. Uh, that conversation was presented by our friends at Urban Timber, uh, Reclaimed Wood Company. They're the ones that we looked to when we were looking to get this beautiful table in studio. They helped us build out our studio, and they would love to do the exact same thing for you, whether it's your home or office, whether it's a kitchen table, a dining room table, a coffee table, or a boardroom table table our recommendation is is that you check in with urban timber in particular i want to talk to you about their box car collection and you can check it out online at urbantimber.ca these are literally rail car planks like planks from the floor of rail cars that have traveled millions of kilometers across North America. Of course, there's character unique to each one. They've got the the scuffs and the gouges out. Of course, it's all finished beautifully with food-safe coating from Urban Timber, but it means that every single piece that they create is unique. There's nothing like an Urban Timber table. Of course, they also do flooring and countertops and wall paneling and a whole bunch of other stuff. We recommend you check out urbantimber.ca today, and they will present our official Real Talk Roundtable. That's coming up tomorrow when we get into child, adolescent, and family mental health supports. It's an important conversation fueled by Urban Timber. Our friends at Friesen Brothers want to let you know that their sourdough hot cross buns are now available all the way through till Easter. These are baked fresh every single day with their real Alberta Bakers, of course, a little bit of Charlie, that sourdough starter in each batch, baked fresh daily. And if if maybe you're looking to customize Easter dinner and maybe take a load off yourself, why not look to Friesen Brothers Catering? You can check it out online, cateringbyfriesen.com and customize your family's Easter feast. It's easily reheated and it lets you spend quality time with your family and friends. Hey, this federal budget looks a lot into the price of electricity. There's a whole bunch of details there on how the federal government's trying to help out Canadians with the affordability around utilities. Park Power's been doing the exact same thing, and we've been telling you about it here on Real Talk from the moment we launched this show. They're your friendly local utilities provider that is providing lower-cost utilities, electricity, natural gas, and internet than all the big guys. You don't believe me? Take two seconds to compare rates yourself at parkpower.ca, and don't forget their bundling incentive. The promo code REALTALK23 knocks $50 off for each utility off your first bill. In other words, if you take electricity, natural gas, and internet to Park Power with the promo code REALTALK23 at parkpower.ca, you're going to save $150 off your first bill. Nobody else is doing that. We guarantee it. Does this summer involve maybe a reinvention of your family's outdoor space? Maybe the front yard? Maybe the backyard? Maybe you got into a brand new home, but the landscaping is just uninspired. You know, the sod looks lousy. The trees are tiny. Why not reinvent that space? Bring it to life with the expert touch from Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping. I asked him a short time ago, Mike, what are you most proud of when it comes to your family business? He said, we've never encountered a construction-related problem we couldn't solve. Not everybody goes on the record and says that. You can check out their portfolio today at landscapeedmonton.ca. That's Eden Landscaping. We're proud to partner with them right here on Real Talk. 
And before we get to our roundtable, let me also remind you that this entire studio... Johnny, let's show the folks on YouTube the wide shot here. We love this shot of our studio, and you know who built it? This is the team at Complete Care Restoration. Now, when we first got into this building, you know it's 110 years old. There were some things that presented challenges, including a persistent water leak in the ceiling. And when you got speakers and cameras and lights and microphones, that's a problem. The team at Complete Care, this is their business, solving problems including fire damage, flood damage, and that pesky mold. That's right. Even asbestos removal, they do it all. And chances are your insurance policy allows you to choose which team's going to do the work if you do encounter a nightmare like a fire or flood. We recommend you choose Complete Care Restoration just like we did. Let them know that Real Talk sent you. Well, the latest episode, or issue rather, we do episodes, they do issues. The latest issue of Edify Magazine celebrates the best restaurants in our home city of Edmonton. It's one of Canada's culinary capitals, right? I'll just ask our next three guests who have been kind enough to join us in studio. I'm really excited to connect with each of them. Nadine Lewis joins us from Caribbean Cafe. We've got Ed Donselman in the house from Auto Food and Drink. And Blair Lebsack joins us from Range Road. To the three of you, welcome. And thanks for making time for us this morning. This is a big moment for you, Nadine. Uh, Less than a year ago, you were working in insurance. Yep. And now you're in the pages of Edify, uh, owning and operating one of Edmonton's best restaurants. How did you do it? Um, well, I always liked cooking. Me and my cousin uh, were together, um, and we had a little catering business. But we had full. T- if you have full time job, she was in. Uh, I was in insurance, and she was in healthcare. Uh, and then through the pandemic and everything else, um, we just decided, hey, we're going to go for it. Let's go for it. And here we are. You know what I love about your story <laughs> is is that, and, and I'm not going to make light of this. I know I'm saying this. It was like Erica Eiffel that just joined us and she's got a big smile on her face as she talks about how the economy <laughs> is going down the toilet. So I don't mean to have a big smile on my face when I talk about how many restaurants closed because it was a huge struggle and remains a big issue for a lot of restaurateurs through the pandemic. But here you are swimming in the exact opposite direction. Uh, what gave you the guts to open something during COVID with such an such an uncertain landscape. Well, I mean, because of COVID, uh, job I got laid off, and I was kind of b- doing a bunch of other stuff and you know contract work. And my cousin was like, "Yeah, didn't want to stay in healthcare. <laughs> it was a lot going on in healthcare as well." And we just said, like, if not now, when? And uh, we just said what do we have to lose kind of like we're already <laughs> we're already at the bottom so it was just like go for it and you know what it was the best decision that we ever made oh i love hearing it it was a move for yourself yeah uh, so you're honored among edmonton's best new restaurants mm-hmm. uh, uh, a, a tiny little space just off jasper avenue what is it like what's your what's your 15 second pitch on what it is that sets your place apart what do you think caught the attention of edify uh well we are the only trinidadian caribbean restaurant in edmonton that i know of and uh our most of the caribbean restaurants are jamaican a lot of jamaican cuisine and so i think it's just uh, we are just providing something that is not in the marketplace and so we're just filling a niche 
Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Ed, you've been in the business, like in hospitality, for a long time. Yes. Uh, and, and people will recognize. I mean, when, when I start going through your CV and talking about your experience, like, like number one, you were with uh, Big Rock uh, for like more than 10 years, right? Yeah, in the early days of Big Rock. Kind of so, the original yes. microbrew in Alberta, yeah. Yeah. right? Which, the- which, which was pretty neat. Must have been a neat experience. It's where my love of craft beer came from. Yeah, right on. So that's so that's where the seed gets planted there. And then you made a move into the restaurant industry. Yeah, I, you know, I I traveled a lot to the Netherlands, which is where my parents immigrated from. Um, fell in love with the cafe culture there, and it was always a dream to try to recreate that cafe culture here in Edmonton. And I mean, I was partners in other business, other restaurant ventures earlier on, and now Auto Food and Drink is very, very much um, that dream coming true. I love it. You you were uh, a longtime partner. For, for people that know Edmonton's food scene or Alberta's food scene, you partnered with uh, Brad Lazarenko, uh, the chef uh, behind the Kalina Restaurant Group yes. for a number of years before opening Auto Food and Drink. And I know a lot of people were really excited about auto uh especially it seems the beer enthusiasts because sausage just pairs so nicely with brews yeah it's uh yeah it's a very simple uh and and uh, perfect combination yeah uh, yeah, yeah I, I love i love your advertising I, I love sort of how you promote your business it's a, it's a family friendly beer house in a way very and, much so. and you proudly announce we have no tvs yeah, that's always, always been the dream. There, there's enough restaurants, uh, bars out there to cater to the sports fans. I really wanted to do something that was very much away from that. Uh, Otto's a, is a meeting place. Um, the music's quiet. It's a place for people to come and uh, connect. I should also mention you were a partner in Sugar Bowl for a while, just on the south side of the yeah. high-level bridge, which has its famous... Would you say the Lamburger is the most famous menu item at Sugar Bowl? Probably that, and the, uh, of course, the cinnamon the bun. The cinnamon bun, <laughs> yeah. the massive cinnamon bun. Yeah. Can you take credit for the Lamburger? Was no, that no. yours? No, 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 no. I... Uh, I can't take credit for any of the food. I'm a, I'm a front of house guy, not, okay. not, a, not the kitchen guy. Okay, well, I want to circle back on that and ask you how the front of house or the hospitality experience has evolved or changed over the years. Uh, but let's loop this guy into the mix. Uh, Blair Lebsack, uh, your restaurant, Range Road, and the butchery next door is, is, is often, if not always, mentioned among Edmonton's best restaurants. Uh, how do you stay on top? How do you do something like that with with the number of new restaurants coming on the scene, with the competition, with the external factors at play? Um, you know, for us, again, we're hitting ten years, so we turned ten years old this summer. I can't believe it. I, I know it does. I remember when you opened. I know. Yeah, I remember you sitting there, and again, it was one of those things. You know, we've expanded twice since we opened up. So we started out at, you know, just that seventeen hundred square feet, and now we're over eight thousand square feet, and so. Um, these two different, uh, things, they've really just kind of added to what we thought we could bring to the restaurant scene. And so I think what we're always looking at is to, we're never attempting to be what we were the year before. We're always trying to, you know, push ourselves and kind of keep on top of what we think is necessary and keep people interested in what we're doing. So there's always small, you know, renovations that we do sometimes big renovations. And so for us, the last one was adding the the butchery on. And so that one adds a whole nother aspect to what we do but really internally um it allows us this this bigger playground to have and so now we you know we're working with farmers and now everything you know me to you know talk to a farmer and say i will 
can you raise me, you know, 300 geese, you know, that that's definitely in the, in the ballpark for us. Now, can I get, you know, if you raise me 40 lamb of a specific breed, I will take all 40 lamb. And so now it allows us to have that playground of ingredients. And now our creative team, you know, we have a wonderful kitchen team and, and front of host teams. Now everyone gets to talk about these sort of things coming into the building and how are we going to work with them? You know, even talking with some of our vegetable farmers and going to them specifically and saying, you know, can you grow us, you know, these 10 vegetables for, you know, to get us going in April in a greenhouse, then let's move, move on what happens in, in July, August, September. And, and then we figure out a plan of what is being stored for us over the, over the winter. And so all these sort of things over the 10 years keeps us, you know, at the forefront of us wanting to push the food. And, and we always say Edmonton deserves something nice. And I think that's what Edmonton restaurants are really all about. Let's not make people attempt to go to Las Vegas for dinner. Let's give them some of these sort of things that are here. And that's kind of pushing the thing. And so for us, do you want to cook at home? I think we have some beautiful dry aged steaks that you can come and pick up and cook at home. You want to have a night out? We want you to turn off your brain once you get in the door because we're taking care of you and giving you a nice selection of food in the restaurant. Yeah, I always tell people when the people are going to Range Road, I should let people know as well that Range Road is about a pitching wedge from our house. I could hit your restaurant with a golf for sure. Well, I wouldn't be, my aim is off, but I could do the distance. Uh, but I would, people say, what should I order off the menu at Range Road? And I say, nothing. I say, you go on the road trip, yeah. uh, which is the famous, what is it, five or six courses, and you just roll out these small plates all night long and nobody knows what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's uh, exactly what it is. It's like, and it started, that was day one on our menu, and it was always, you know, Range Road, that's where we go to get our food. We're driving on Range Roads to get our food. That's where it all comes from. And then we just kind of thought everyone, you know, we wanted to do a tasting menu. Let's call it the road trip. And so now it's about going down these roads and uh, getting some of these ingredients. And so now people go on the road trip with us and it is, it's for, it's ever changing. Like to me, I, I have no clue what I did yeah. two years ago because everything is always changing on that one. And it's, so it's really cool to see and and then we have staff that get really intrigued in new things so suddenly they're like oh, okay well that, like the other day we were making a, a cheese gnocchi but instead of your average cheese gnocchi this is um one that they you know used all of our cheese to actually like melt and and it's not really flour it's not even as much flour based anymore it's like using enough cheese that it's almost like this melty this structured fondue that melts mm. into your mouth oh, and so, so and then charred cabbage and so like why are we letting pushing. you talk about this without bringing it in man <laughs> nadine i don't want to like act like you didn't have any experience because you ran a small catering company for quite some time yeah but you know people always say like when a celebrity like a movie star <laughs> or someone goes into the or an athlete goes into the restaurant business people always go uh-oh because it's not a joke and profit margin margins are so slim and mm-hmm. there's so much you have to understand about it. How, how did you navigate those waters? How, how did you, how did you get a sense of, of how a restaurant not, not just survives, but thrives? You know, to be honest with you, we're still figuring it out. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we jumped in and we weren't worried about the cooking part because we'd been cooking and people had been harassing us for years. Like, you need to get your restaurant. And we were like, nah, nah. Uh, and then when the opportunity came and we finally decided, so um, we're kind of learning as we go. I mean, I worked in business for a long time, so I still have all of you, all your experiences come together somehow to help you navigate it. And 
I meet, like, I ask questions. I talk to people who are already in the restaurant business for a long time. I talked to Blair Ivan, was asking them, met him before, say, okay, like, how do you do pricing? How do you do this? How do you, like, you just kind of figure it out and then, oh, this is working, oh, this isn't working and, and tweak it. So it's still a work in progress. Is it like a collaborative community? Do you find that people are, are typically eager, other people in the business eager to see you succeed? 100%. For us, I feel like we have, it's been honestly so humbling, so like sometimes crazy. Like I go home and I think about like, we've met so many people. They're willing to give us all kinds of information, help us with sourcing, help us with just understanding like because i was saying like what around what year do you start feeling like you know like you got everything under control and then it's like mm, you never 100 percent. and then it, it, it oh good so i'm okay like i'm i'm doing good because you start wondering like because i just felt in the beginning like oh my god yeah. you know um but hey people are coming to your restaurant they love your food they're talking about it um you're being invited different places it's amazing it's like i'm living my dream you only, Ed, you only serve a small batch craft beer, right? Yes. And and can we talk about, I mean, this is just like the cheesiest dad joke of all time, but can we can we actually talk about how the sausage is made? Can we talk about the, the, the theory that goes into, I mean, Blair gives us a sense of how he builds his menu and how he communicates with his, you know, his, his partners in ag and livestock. And, and how does it come together for you when you're deciding who's going to get those coveted taps and who's going to actually make or source the sausage and, and what the what your local, I mean, you're an inner city eatery and I know that obviously you've got a, a fiercely loyal clientele. How do you, how do you best understand what's going to make sense offering wise to keep that clientele coming back and also of course to keep the business healthy? Well, you know what, first of all, I'm just going to give Blair a shout out. We are like, we're not even anywhere close to the level of what Blair is doing, and I'm so proud of, of him and, and everything that he's done and, and how much he's helped us along the way as well. For me, um, we partnered up with um, Fuge Sausages right from the beginning, and we've never varied from... Um, and Steve even worked in our kitchen for five years before moving on, and now it's still Fuge Sausage, and but they're made... Um, locally here in Edmonton um, by Love Pizza. They bought, they bought the recipes. Steve is still a partner in that and consults. So that's, the sausages are simple. And when I created this restaurant, I also wanted to do something really simple because I'm not a kitchen guy. And so I, the sausages were just, nobody was doing it. And then to, to partner up with breweries, um, I just, I pick the beers just based on the beers that I like. Um, we have some reps, uh, beer reps that make the effort to pop in, say hello. And, you know, having come from that industry, um, people may, if they, if the rep makes the effort, then I try to make the effort to put one of their beers on tap or get one of their cans into our fridge. So. There, there's a lot of easier things than running a restaurant, right? 
There's oh, it's a, the, yeah, there's, there's so many dumbest business, business in the, the world. It's the dumbest too. business to go into, <laughs> yeah. but it's also the best. Yeah. I love it. And there's something that a restaurant, like when we lose a restaurant, you know, we live near a restaurant. We live in a restaurant district in Edmonton, a pedestrian district off 124th Street. You know, yeah. people, locals will know. And when you lose a restaurant off the street, it feels like a punch in the gut. And when you see that somebody is bold enough to open a restaurant, <laughs> there's nothing quite like the excitement that you feel there too there's such an important part i know i'm stating the obvious uh, but i mean look at look at the slogans like look at your slogan at cafe caribbean i love it right? great food good vibes or yours ed eat with people you love that, i mean that it, came from a wedding we came, we had a wedding at the restaurant and uh that was the the couple's tagline and really? i just said hey could we use that? Would you be offended? And they were like, no, please do. And, <laughs> and so it's been our tagline ever since. And you've, you've seen that, Blair. I know because a lot of people look like your restaurant. Is this a good or bad thing when your restaurant becomes the spot for anniversaries and special occasions? I would imagine it's, it's good on one hand, but it's also tough because you're probably trying to remind people they don't have to wait till their anniversary to come in. Yeah, that's exactly it. We are always telling people like we feel like we're not a special occasions restaurant, but we do understand why people come on special occasions and i think when we first started the restaurant um you know your what you think your restaurant is going to be does change depending on what people how they perceive you and so we just thought no one wanted to sit in a room for more than two hours so our initial concept was we will get people in and out in an hour and 45 minutes and flip tables because no one wants to sit around that long. Yeah. And that's just where we thought the, the minds were of people and no one wanted to leave our restaurant. No one, <laughs> no one would leave. And so after three hours, we would be, you know, more along that lines of, oh, okay, is it maybe time now to, to wander out? And so we just kind of changed our menu to adapt for that. How do we, if people want to be here that long, what do we do to keep them entertained? How do they see more of what we do in that amount of time? And, and it kind of evolved to where it is today. And again, a, a, a long evolution of, of 10 years. And, you know, now we're taking people on tours of the butcher shop in between courses because we can show them over there. There's a lot of ways to interact in our place. And we do have, you know, the our new meeting space um, yeah. that uh, is, in the, in, is in the butchery. And so all these sort of things add to the way we interact with our customers. And I think... Um, how we add to the neighborhood. We're in, we're in your neighborhood. We see people a lot more now. Now we see the people that are coming in on a Saturday night for dinner. And then, in, but then instead of seeing them two months down the time, maybe for something else, we see them six other times. They're in grabbing a sandwich in the butcher shop. They're sure. in, in grabbing some sausages to take home to the barbecue. And so I think for us, that was the real evolution is how often <laughs> we get to see these people and interact with them and make these connections. Yeah. Yeah, there, there are so many like juvenile jokes that I want to make. I'm, oh, don't even go uh, there. I say Ed's eyes light up when you talk about sausage, and then I'm like, you can't say that, but of course you can. You've heard them all, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Su surprisingly, not as much as you would think. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> most people are more mature than this idiot sitting right here. Have you have you found with Cafe Caribbean has it, has it become kind of like a community hub? Oh, 100 percent. And you know, it's like we have regulars that uh, like, and it's like, I mean, six months we have regulars, but anyway, it's great. That's amazing. They, yeah. Like they come in all the time and it's like, it's so hilarious because we have this uh, competition that we have with our two drinks that we, like I make the punch and my cousin makes the sorrel and we, we have our customers when they, if you're new, oh, you have to try the drinks and you have to vote. Ah. Right. And it's hilarious. I heard right? about the sorrel. This is the hibiscus yes, flower one. Right. And so you, it's so hilarious, right? Because you see, we give them, no, just try it. And then, you know, we always say, 
now choose well, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they don't know whose is what, right? But they're like, uh, I like, I, I kind of like both. And, you know, nobody wants to, <laughs> and I'm like, nope, a decision must be made. And then, of course, if I win, like I'm, she's as obnoxious as I am. Then I'm like, yes, the punch wins again. And then, you know, we have all these uh, things. So it's really great. We get great interaction. Customers just come in all the time. They like because we always have specials. So they like that they can just come in and they're like, hey, what, what specials have you have? Because sometimes we make stuff that we don't really advertise, but because if you come in, you'll know that it's kind of there. Yeah. So yeah, so it's really great. You've got, uh, I mean, I think your, your place is known and, and, and we'll credit the team at Edify. I mean, they do a beautiful yeah. job of this and, and people can, I, I, you can check it out online at edifyedmonton.com, but I always recommend people pick up the, the, oh. the physical copy yes, of the magazine because they do such a beautiful job mm-hmm. of it and because we have a full page color spread in there for real <laughs> yes. talk. But but but, uh, <laughs> but you've got your your uh, your fried and curried chicken, yeah. you've got your steamed fish, the braised pork, mm-hmm. the, the the brown stewed beef. Is, mm-hmm. there, is there like one to you that's the flagship dish is there one that definitely say the curry chicken is our flagship uh that's the one everyone but then the the brown stew beef is becoming very popular and you know even the braised pork is also now starting to build some momentum and it's really crazy because you know one person just has to come in and have that and maybe they we get a lot of like foodies that come in and then they might post it and then all of a sudden i'm like what's happening how come all of a sudden now so it's really great and it's always changing but like curry chicken is kind of like uh our signature dish that like everyone kind of knows us for yeah Uh, and of course like doubles because that's like trinidad street food and we only do them fridays and saturdays and uh People just love it. We can't keep up. We can't keep up with that and the meat pies. But we're we're working on. I'm gonna turn my cousin into a, a meat pie pie factory because she's just like. <laughs> Does she know like, this? She's gonna know it now. <laughs> she's watching right now. She's just. She's, like, she's like, I'm not a. I'm not a pie. I'm not a pie factory. I'm like. Oh man, I, I, this is not. This is not. I'm. I, I'm gonna offer a caveat before this question because there's nothing wrong with these restaurants I'm about to name. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, I worked at one of them for a long time. But in, but in in a culture uh, where you've got Earls and Joey and Cactus Club and all the ones that are technically chains, but they're not like McDonald's. Do you have to almost train restaurant goers? Do you almost have to train the general public to like you talked about you want to you want to recreate or emulate this Amsterdam cafe culture. Yeah. For people that are inclined or just used to going to that big box restaurant so to speak. And again, no hate on Earls. Nope. Uh but do you have to kind of go on a bit of a mission to teach people about what other offerings they can explore or fall in love with. Absolutely. And you know what? We just hope that, I mean, I, I think people have their restaurants that they, that they go to. I mean, we're all, we're all guilty of it, right? Sure. That, yeah. Um, my hope is that they just give auto a chance. And once, once they try it once, then fingers crossed. You know, once come. you get them in the door. Yeah, that's really, that's basically it. They'll, and you know, it's my hope that they have an amazing experience. And, and that goes for, you know, our other two guests here as well. You know, once they step through the, the doors of these restaurants, that they'll become regulars and no offense to those big, big guys. Look at us all being so polite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? Hopefully we steal a little bit of their business. It's no, no different than the beer industry, right? 100%. Like, yeah. Try, try a craft beer. 
Are you guys oftentimes pairing your offerings? Like you want to pair your your beer with your sausage, and and, and do you make those recommendations when people no. come in? You this know what? I don't. This one or not? Not, so much? not so much. No. You know what? I I would rather ask the the guest. Okay, what style of beer do you like? Because I mean, we we've got them all. Yeah. And so if that's your choice, then I can make these recommendations and uh, and. Any beer will go with the sausages. <laughs> I'm inclined it's to. It's pretty agree. easy, yeah. But then again, we'll drink beer with birthday cake, so we have, you know, our palate's a little bit different. Um, for for people, and, and I, this is not like the doom and gloom part of the, of the conversation, but I just, you know, you talk to some people about the economy, not just restaurateurs, but but people, small business people, even people that work in big business, and they're looking at costs. I mean, we just were talking about the federal budget earlier, and people are looking at, you know, all of the things that factor in. Do you believe that the future is bright? for independent restaurants? I mean, the, the, the heart and soul of communities. What's your assessment of the next six to 24 months? Yeah, I think it's still really bright. You know, we have a lot of room. And again, Edmonton, we do have a, I think our culture of Edmonton is that people, they love food and they love to, they love to go out, but they, they almost do like that purpose of going out. So, you know, if it's an Oilers game, they want to go out before the Oilers game. And so I think we have enough things happening in Edmonton that it keeps people going out um, almost all the time. And I think the nice thing about independent restaurants, you know, I can speak for quite a few of us is that um, a lot of our numbers, actually, we're not relying on 300 people coming through our door a night or 500 or whatever these other big places are. Right. Like we're, we're really happy with 60 people coming through the door. Um, you know, like that's, that's fantastic for us. Yeah. That's, what, that's what we want to do. So we're never looking to, you know, take over like our market share we have a million like over a million people in this city surrounding area and we still have so many people that have never heard of us before so that's yeah. the other thing is we're trying to get out there is, hey we do exist come and come and check us out and then the people that that come through the door um there's always a reason to kind of go out for dinner and again we just want to be at the kind of in that conversation and let people know that we're there we're going to show you the best time we possibly can and give you some really good food. Oh, I love it. Um, you, all three of you are going to be at this uh, big event on Monday, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. This is awesome. This is at uh, the Edmonton Convention Center in Hall D, which is, of course, the big, beautiful uh, location. It's it's presented uh, by Edify Magazine. It's their best restaurant event. Uh, VIP access starts at 545, and then, of course, uh, general admission at 630. And uh, you can find out more about tickets at edifyedmonton.com. A really neat tasting event where guests can try delicious fare from about 15 restaurants all in one place in one evening. How cool is that? Um, so it includes your price of admission, VIP or general, tasting tickets for food and drinks, uh, non-alcoholic drinks, beer and wine, plus many delicious desserts. Uh, VIP admission, again, that early entry, which is really nice. You also you get a designated table, which is perfect, and a few other lovely extras. Edmonton-made vendors will be on site selling their goods and services, and there's a the 360-degree photo booth which is super cool so that's this monday it's coming up there still are a few tickets available at edifyedmonton.com nadine what are you going to be serving there on monday night curry chicken yeah <laughs> you know it how about you ed let me get sausage yes would you know which one yeah we'll be doing our maple and the chorizo and um and then a couple of little simple sides just okay. to keep it really simple and, nice and are you fun. a mustard guy with it how do you like oh, yeah. it depends yeah, yeah. on Depends, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, with the chorizo, uh, maybe some other ideas, but uh, definitely with uh, with your standard bratwurst. Yeah, oh, mustard. perfect. Absolutely. What are you going to be serving on Monday night? And for us, we're bringing in a whole elk from our 
great farm out in out in Bentley. So from Kyle Stevenson, we're butchering a whole elk and we're doing an elk tataki. And then wow. so, so the elk tataki is going to get this uh, nice dressing on top of it, some little bit of greens, and uh, and that's going to be simple, but it's going to be super beautiful um, seared elk. You're not butchering the elk on scene, are you? I was <laughs> tempted. Like we were wondering, and we've actually brought this up, you know, at previous times with Edify. How much can we get away with and, uh, uh, on, online? Um, in the past, we have like roasted an, an entire pig's head and taken a pig's head down there. Yeah, and uh, people they gave us those looks and they're like, "What? Yeah, like so it gets people's attention." This time, we're going to keep it a little more low key. We're going with uh, everything already. Kind yeah, of, super cool. Yeah. But but I mean, you you've pushed me out of my comfort zone several times, uh, and I thank you every time uh, on that road trip I mentioned your yeah. small plate tour through your restaurant, which is great. I think if there was a rabbit dish I had that I said to my yeah. wife, I said, "I honestly, and this is no offense to you, obviously, yeah. uh, but I said that's not something I would order off a menu." I, uh, but it was unbelievable. I think every time that we have a a really good idea, we we say if this was words on a menu no one would order it yes but if we do it on this blind tasting menu everyone will love it yes and, and it happens all the time and so it's it's not specific to you this happens all the time where people would say i would never order that if it was on a menu and we say well that's why we don't tell you what you're eating before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i love it i love it uh, you can check out the uh, newest issue of edify this is their annual best restaurants issue they do an unbelievable job with it at edifyedmonton.com or of course uh and a shout out to the team at foos repair shop as well uh they wanted to be here today uh but they got a lot going on right now best new restaurant Great in edmonton spot. you should check them out you love foos yeah, Johnny? amazing yeah so yeah. The, the vibe in there is awesome as well on 109th street so but but the point is there's like you know uh, several dozen restaurants in there that uh deserve a visit from you friends and including these three and uh, we're proud to put them on your radar that's uh, caribbean cafe nadine lewis joining us auto food and drink with uh ed donselman and blair labsack with range road you can check it out uh, online at edifyedmonton.com that's also where you can get your tickets to monday night's event that's edify magazine's best restaurant event thank you to the three of you Thank, Thank you. you. I'm going to go on the record and say you will see me in all three of your restaurants within one month. All right. I'm going to let you know that. And this can be my first time in yours. Oh, it'll I'm be look, good. I'm I look looking, forward uh, yeah, to well, it. Yeah, curry chicken. I'm coming <laughs> for it. I'm coming for it. Awesome. Thanks to the three of you. Okay. And, and good luck on Monday night. Thanks, Ryan. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, this conversation it. was presented by our friends at Athabasca University. You know, they've got so much going on there. You're guaranteed to find a perfect fit. Maybe you're looking to get into the culinary arts. Maybe you're looking to get into business management. Maybe some sort of a supply chain role where you could better understand Canada's agriculture industry. What about the beer business like Ed's talking about? You're going to find a fit at Athabasca University. It's Canada's open university with world-class accredited online programs and courses that offer you flexibility to learn at your own pace. That's arguably the best part about it is that if you need to take a week off of your studies, you're not missing any classes. And if you want to go pedal to the metal, same deal. You're not going to leave a classmate or a group behind. It's all about the schedule that suits your lifestyle at Athabasca University. You can learn more about admissions online today at AthabascaU.ca. Yesterday, we told you about Local Environmental's uh, core values feature, and I wanted to draw your attention to that on their website at localenvironmental.ca. It's a great opportunity, just a two-minute video, to get to know the leadership group, as well as some of the frontline workers that keep this business going in Edmonton and area, White Cordon area, and Regina and area. Uh, across the Prairie Provinces, Local Environmental Services is giving people more bang for their buck, and guess what? When you call them to get a free quote, 
real humans pick up the phone. You don't get that with those big multinational companies. It's more than just garbage because communities deserve better with local environmental services. I want to take a second to tell you about our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy. We're talking a lot about this green economy. I mean, just look at this federal budget yesterday. A lot of Canadians are going to be looking to tap into that Canada Greener Homes Grant. That's that $40,000 interest-free loan from the feds to get solar up on your roof. Interest-free. You can learn more about it. Get a free quote today. Kubi does all the paperwork at kubienergy.ca. I also wanted to let you know that Kubi Energy is hiring. They're heading into their busiest season, and it's all hands on deck. Are you or somebody you know passionate about advancing Canada's energy industry while making a positive impact on the environment? You can contact Kubi Energy. They'd love to hear from you. They're looking for apprentices and journey persons in both Edmonton and Calgary. There are other open positions available as well, and you can find them all online at kubienergy.ca. Hey, Kubi's not the only Real Talk sponsor that's hiring right now. Apex Automation is as well. We spent some time yesterday talking about automation uh, with uh, Dr. Joseph Marchand. He joined us, the labor economist out of the University of Alberta. He talked about how the future of the energy industry is going to have a big reliance on automation. Why not hitch your wagon to that horse? Why not capitalize on the opportunity that exists right now for technicians, for professional engineers, and for other skilled workers? Apex Automation it has a careers link on their website. You can browse open positions right now or just submit your resume for future considerations. They've tripled the size of their team in the last three years. It gives you a sense of exactly the impact that they're making across industries, across the country, and across North America. You'll find them online at apexautomation.ca. Budgets, banging food, and beers. I like it. And it's not lost on me that I'm the guy who brought in the uh, loaf of bread and jar of peanut butter yesterday. So I got some work to do. There's nothing wrong with that. You brought in at least organic peanut butter, so you get a bit of a shout out for well, that. Well, I'm saving money to support local. That's what I'm doing. You and I are going to have to get our asses to those three restaurants. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. excited. Uh, the Caribbean Cafe I've not been to. Uh, Otto's amazing. Range Road is amazing. Yeah, right. But, but uh, her enthusiasm, like when when she's talking about, when Adina's is talking about uh, the, the, even just the, how the, the roots of the business mm-hmm. came about and, and how the they drinks. put their menu together oh. and the drinks of it. Like, yeah. I just I just love it. Uh, you know, great food, good vibes. That, to me, is I love it. one of the best restaurants. And they're all slogans. different. Like, I like how Otto's like, hey, we don't, we're not, don't you're not here to watch the game or hear DJs. It's it's a place to conversate, right? They've all got their own vibe. So yeah, you know us. We love we love indulging. I'm sure we'll take a tour of all three in one day. One day. Oh yeah, buddy. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Hey, you know, every Wednesday uh, we we uh, have a chance to basically, uh, if we can't take our physical bodies out to Jasper, at least take our minds there and remind ourselves about what lies in wait in uh, the most beautiful pocket of the country. That's Jasper National Park. It's my Jasper memories uh, presented by our friends at Tourism Jasper, and we want to put a big annual event on your radar. It's coming up from April 14th through the 23rd, so you got a couple of weeks to make your plans uh, to join your friends, your loved ones in Jasper National Park for the only gay ski week in the Canadian Rockies. Yeah, that's right. It's Jasper Pride and Ski Festival, 10 days 
of epic pride events, action-packed activities, and unlimited skiing, all in the spirit of coming together, proud and free. Uh, There's an energy at Jasper Pride that you're not going to feel anywhere else. If you've already attended, you already know this. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Being surrounded by natural beauty in a town that openly and proudly supports the LGBTQ plus community year round, you can't help but feel like you're a part of something special. I wanted to let you know in particular about the Pride Party. This is Dungeons and Drag. It's Saturday, April 15th at the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge. Uh, you can dress up like your favorite ranger or rogue and party the night away in a world of fantasy. Yeah, that's right. More parties through the festival, of course, goes without saying. But the Pride kickoff party is one in particular you're going to want to have circled on your calendar. There's Dragalicious and the Fruit Loop Mountain Party as well, which is always really popular. Speaking of beer, Johnny, they've got the Jasper Pride beer launch. Uh, They've got events for LGBT teens. They have line dancing workshops if you want to hone your skills. Rock and roll, bingo, poetry readings, pride trivia nights, and more. Plus, you can get delicious deals at the Fork and Spoon Food Fest, which is happening all festival long. Now, here's the deal. You just go to jasperpride.ca, and you'll find all the details there. jasperpride.ca to learn more and see the latest event schedule. As you can see, 10 days, more than 30 events, more than 40 performers. It's the Jasper Pride and Ski Festival running from April 14th through the 23rd. So one of my favorite DJs there in that clip, DJ Foreplay, one of the best female DJs in uh, Edmonton there. Big shout out. DJ Foreplay, that's DJ an amazing Foreplay, name. Foreplay, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, Jasper Pride is like. I mean, I, I know that great that party. Pride. Have, have you been paying attention? Do I? Do we want to bring in what's going on in the NHL right now and stuff like that? We got a trash talk tomorrow. I think it'd be too much, but it's we we were on. It's our, just gonna get me angry. I'll, I'll get I'll <laughs> give people the heads up that we have and we have an email that was submitted for trash talk and trash talk falls on a Thursday this week. Tomorrow's gonna be our last show of this week on Thursday. That'll be presented by local environmental services. Mm-hmm. And there's a great take, a steaming hot take uh, after. Uh, and it wasn't just Ivan. Provorov with the Flyers, uh, but the also Stahl the Brothers, Stahl Brothers in Florida, Raymer. Eric and Mark, and then you had, of course, James Reimer, the goaltender yeah, for the for the San Jose Sharks, all pointing to their Christian faith, um, saying that 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 sort of uh, you know they're, they're not comfortable repping the Pride jersey based on their Christian faith, mm-hmm. and um, and we'll get to this letter, this email tomorrow, but but there's also teams that have just fully canceled. Uh, well, I think everyone's their Pride observations, to, right? The Chicago Blackhawks, yeah. the New York Rangers, among them, mm-hmm. and uh, and. And, and I and I appreciated Connor McDavid, uh, the best player in the world, uh, saying that culturally, like I'm talking team culture, he said this is a very like the inclusion aspect of sport. I'm paraphrasing his comment mm-hmm. is very important to this team. I loved it. And when a captain and when a leader says that is important to this team, that sends a message to that locker room. And we have hosted conversations on this show where people mm-hmm. are people are talking about well, somebody's you know the religious freedom element oh, of God. this and, and and all that kind it's of stuff. It's not about that. It's literally about are these people welcome in the building? Yeah. And in every one of these uh, these guys, when they say they're not coming out, they put out some sort of uh, you know speech about it, and it goes up on Twitter. And the first thing they say is, "Well, we believe everyone's welcome." Well, that's what the night's about. 
It's literally the least amount of effort to just say, hey, you're welcome in the building. It doesn't mean I agree with every opinion you have under the sun. Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with that. And I love how you said, McDavid, there's also Eric Carlson came out. Zach Hyman of our team as well. But also uh, Matthew Kachuk, who, who, you know, me, a guy, I'm like, am I liking Matthew Kachuk now? Because he's even out there saying, listen, everyone's welcome, not only in this building, but in my locker room. So I think I think those are the messages we need to promote more. Those are the messages we need to echo and and put out into the world. Not yeah. these five people. Yeah, which is out why of I all think of these guys. Uh, I think it's great that that Jasper, uh, you know, so proudly, uh, no pun intended, but but presents that Jasper Pride and Ski mm-hmm. Festival every year and just creates that welcoming space. Uh, mm-hmm. Not just geographically, but also in in the ski industry, the snowboarding industry, in the hospitality yeah. industry. It's it's just a multifold event, um, and and well worth your time. Uh, we appreciate when you take the time to send us an email, and uh, this this is one that we got just yesterday. Uh, if you didn't see it yesterday, I do want to encourage you to check out my conversation uh, with Dr. Joseph Marchand yesterday. This he's a, a labor economist out of the University of Alberta, and he had a really interesting presentation on. On, uh, I guess, number one, probably why he doesn't think that uh, Alberta's energy boom is contributing to a jobs boom. We were asking yesterday, where are all the jobs? Uh, because different than the 1970s, different than the early 2000s, this energy boom is not bringing along with it the types of labor impact you'd like to see. Unemployment is still higher than people are typically comfortable with or used to in a province like Alberta, most especially when there's a boom. And the good doctor, as you'll see in the interview, and I encourage you to check it out, or you can find it on our podcast archives as well if you'd uh, rather listen to it. He, he said that oil companies are are a little, he didn't say sketched out, but he, he said they, they kind of got the heebie-jeebies <laughs> a little bit. He, he said was he, great. He was great. Yeah. It, it, he, he, he took something and kind of dumbed it down for us so mm-hmm. we can understand. But he basically, the gist of it, said that oil companies, based on federal policy and other factors, are hanging on to their cash right now. Some of it's going back to shareholders, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't always a bad thing. Most of it. If you're an investor, that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll take those dividends. But uh, he said that they're kind of holding their cards close to their chest and, and not really rolling out big infrastructure projects uh, because they're waiting. They're waiting to see. The future is, is somewhat is uncertain. Mm-hmm. He said without these big infrastructure projects, you're, you're not seeing the jobs that you might expect to see. Well, it prompted Mark. A real talker, Mark, to send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. He says, Jesper, I listened to the interview uh, with Dr. Marchand. And, uh, he said, I, I honestly, and we like emails like this. We're not all here to agree all the time. We're not all here to, to just take everything at face value and just accept it and gobble it up. We want you to think about what you're hearing. We want you to, to walk with it and chew on it and let us know what you think. And Mark says, I honestly thought that the research he presented was was dated. And I thought that it was out of context with today's situation in Alberta. Here's Mark's take on it. He says, Ryan, you were absolutely correct about minimum wage being a non-topic for this election coming up in Alberta end of May by either party. I said to the doctor yesterday, I said, you can't honestly tell me you think Danielle Smith's going to campaign on lowering minimum wage. You can't honestly tell me you think Rachel Notley's going to campaign on raising minimum wage again. You'll have to listen to the interview to see what he says about that. But Mark says it's not federal rules that are interfering with the bitumen resource industry that's hampering job growth. It's the industry itself shifting its focus to the transition to a lower carbon economy. And the industry's had this plan in the works for quite a while. 
And this is the cash cow stage. And they're saving and investing in the future and in the industries that are coming. And, uh, and he says, and I think that, the, that Dr. Marchand knew that as I listened to him pivot as he talked about diversification. And then Mark says, here's a link uh, I, I thought you could maybe pass on to Real Talkers, an interesting story about Alberta's next resource boom. And you can find it on Yahoo's finance page written by uh, veteran uh, journalist Diane Francis, who says Alberta's on the cusp of another resource boom. We'll put the link to that piece in the show notes on YouTube and on the podcast so you can click on it if you'd like to read more. A big shout out to Mark, who signs off by saying he loves the podcast. Mark, we love you. And thanks for taking the time to send us a note to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Hey, speaking of celebrations, I wanted to give one big shout out to our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. If you're celebrating, no matter what you're celebrating, there's nothing like enjoying layers of celebration with a DQ cake. Why buy a DQ cake? Well, just imagine world-famous soft serve with a fudgy, crunchy, chocolatey middle. It's the perfect way to celebrate any occasion. Now, if you're in a hurry, you can pick up a ready-made DQ cake or a DQ blizzard cake at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton or Sherwood Park. That's the Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, or Baseline Road locations. Or, of course, you can order ahead of time, and you can pick them up 24 to 72 hours after your order is placed. They can customize it whatever you like, whatever the occasion. You can learn more by checking out dqcakes.com that from the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. And the reason why I wanted to save that mention for now, Johnny, is we were very happy to confirm that the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park are going to be in attendance on the 10th tee box at the Real Talk Golf Classic. That's the second annual golf tournament. Our live studio audience is going bonkers right now because they heard that we're going to be again experiencing the Dilly Bar Shooters. <laughs> oh, gosh. The Dilly Bar Shooters. Dangerous. Dangerous territory. And I'm going to say it's the best shot I've ever had Yeah, on the golf course. It's like, it's like drinking a... It's like drinking a dilly bar. It's like like drinking a Christmas candy out of a stocking. (laughs) That's what I would describe it as. (laughs) What? (laughs) So good. So sweet. So good. Oh, wow. A Christmas candy out of a stocking. Hey, if you want to experience the DQ Dilly Bar Shooter, you need to go to ryanjesperson.com right now. You click on the events link and you look for the Real Talk Golf Classic, and that's where you'll find the details on how you can register for this event, the second annual Real Talk Golf Classic presented by our friends at CWB Wealth. This tournament, a 2.15 p.m. shotgun start on Thursday, June 22nd of this coming year. Of course, obviously, that's what, Johnny, about three and a half, four months from now, something like that-ish. No, it's going to be here before. No, it's like three months from now. It's real this close. Is, this is sneaking up on us. It's Thursday, April, like tomorrow. June, it's April tomorrow. <laughs> that two days from now. I can't believe it. June 22nd, that's a Thursday. Thursday's the new Friday. You already know that. So 215 Shotgun Start. You can register today if you'd like to volunteer or if you'd like to join our sponsorship teams in support of the Real Talk Julie Rohr uh, Scholarship. You can, again, send us an email to golf at ryanjesperson.com. That's ryanjesperson.com. Look at the events link and register your foursome today. 
Coming up on tomorrow's episode of Real Talk, as mentioned, we are locked and loaded for trash talk with a whole bunch of subjects to cover. You're all kinds of ornery this week, Real Talkers, and that's good. We call you the most engaged audience in the country on purpose, with intent. Plus, the Real Talk Roundtable presented by our friends at Urban Timber. We highlight resources and supports for child, adolescent, and family youth mental health. The team from CASA in the house. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.